Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No. These are the other stories. <laughs> Vostok Adrift. Written by Matt Butcher. Narrated by Ian McEwen. My name is Anatoly Orlov, and I am a cosmonaut for the Vostok space program. My. my wife. My beautiful wife is Nina Orlov, and our baby boy is Sergei. He is nine months old and had just taken his first steps in the days leading up to this mission. I was so proud. My little man was up and walking ahead of all the others his age, sure to be a so-called prodigy like his father. I will... I will never see Sergei grow to be a man now. There was a miscalculation in the re-entry telemetry and my module bounced off Earth's atmosphere to drift aimlessly into the vacuous black of outer space. My SOS transmissions have been left unanswered, not received, or worse, ignored. And I have no booster fuel left after a failed attempt to correct my trajectory. I don't know how long the food supplies will last, but I suspect I shall mercifully suffocate when the life support systems fail, long before I have to deal with this. Out of the porthole I see nothing. Absolute, mind-bending nothing. Even the cold blue disk of our Mother Earth has left me now as the capsule has rotated to remove it from view. I am truly alone, floating in a tin can away from everyone I love, 
for my Nina and Sergei. I feel a tear well up in the corner of my eye at the thought of their names. With no gravity to direct it downwards, as there is no down anymore, it just collects here until it begins to blur my vision. I wipe it away with a coarse, gloved hand and try to remain strong. I will see them in the next life, perhaps. The capsule has spun around, granting me a long and painful view of both Earth and the Moon. They are smaller than I'd anticipated. I must be traveling faster than I thought. It's so hard to gauge with nothing to gain your bearings from. The earth looks like a blue marble. Under the canopy of cloud, I can just about make out the form of the American continent. It will be nighttime at home. Nina will be tucking little Sergei into his crib and telling him how brave, how stupidly brave his father is. He will coo and giggle, probably only understanding the word daddy before dozing off, thus granting Nina a blissful few hours of sleep before waking her up with tearful screaming brought on by whatever boogeyman might lurk in his dreams. Closing my eyes to imagine Sergei's face, I find myself soon drifting to sleep. I just hope I don't come face to face with Sergei's boogeyman. When I open my eyes, a red light is blinking on the control panel before me. My oxygen is down to 10%. It's not too surprising, as I was meant to be somewhere in the Indian Ocean by now. The air feels a little less breathable, as though I have been in the shower too long and the stream is filling my lungs. But it is still breathable. For now, anyway. Glancing out of the window, I find nothing but the void. Earth has left me once again. There is a crackle of static over the radio, and my heart races. Hello? I respond. Is anyone there? Please be there. There is radio silence. The signal will take a few seconds to reach Earth, I remind myself, and the same again to reach back. So I wait, and wait, nothing. Comrade Orlop? A woman's tinny voice rouses me from the waking dream state I had drifted into. It takes a few seconds for my mind to acknowledge that this sound had, in fact, been a voice. Yes, I respond. This is Cosmonaut Orlov. There is a hiss, a crackle, and then, several seconds later, a reply. It's good to hear from you, comrade. We apologize for the disruption in communication. Cosmic radiation was interfering with your signal. She informs me in a treble-heavy voice, hinting that the radiation was still causing interference on some level. How are you doing up there? There was a problem with re-entry. 
I'm drifting away from Earth. No thruster fuel left. Oxygen is low. Less than 10%. I update her in as few words as I can and sit back to await her response. Understood. Stand by for further instruction. She finally replies, her tone grave. I wait patiently for a follow-up message. What the hell else can I do but wait? The air is beginning to feel thinner, as though I were at a high altitude, which makes strange sense, as I am higher than any human has been before. Far too high to ever come back down again. I understand that. But maybe, just maybe, Mission Control can produce some miraculous rescue mission like a rabbit out of a magician's hat. It's foolish to hope, but an unending will to live, even when facing the impossible, is part of the human condition. As such, my mind clings to the foolish dream that I'll somehow see my Nina and baby Sergei again. Foolish indeed. I must have drifted partially to sleep because I jump as the voice over the radio rouses me from pleasant memories to return me to the cold, oxygen-starved can I'm still imprisoned in. Comrade Orlov? The woman's voice hails me. It's clearer now. The interfering radiation must have cleared somewhat. Yes, this is Orlov. I reply groggily. The lack of oxygen is starting to affect me, like the time I'd started my father's car in the garage when I was young. Thankfully, he'd come in to find me before the carbon monoxide had done any real damage, but how he'd beaten me for it. It's good to still hear you, Anatoly. We are attempting to mobilize a rescue effort. We have another mission relatively nearby to you. They are adjusting their trajectory to intercept. Please, hold on. I smile weakly. I finally have the hope I so desperately needed. Thank you, I speak through tears that collect around my tear ducts again. I can go home, return from this nightmare, and see my beloved and child. You're welcome, dear. I hadn't noticed it before, as the interference had clouded the sound, but the voice is familiar. I try to picture the face of the mission controller, but I cannot. I do not believe I ever had a chance to meet her. If I ever make it back to Mother Earth, I'll be sure to thank her personally. I'll thank everyone. It's the least I can do. My mind begins to wander into a waking dream. I find myself at home with Nina and Sergei. He is lying on his belly on the rug, watching cartoons. Nina is curled up to my side, and we pretend to watch too, though really, we are just savoring this family moment. The cartoon seems to have a rabbit dressed as a cosmonaut. He's blasting into space, only to crash land into the moon. He's fine, though. They always are in Sergei's cartoons. Papa! 
he turns to exclaim, with a beam on his face and a finger pointing to this cartoon rabbit. Yes, Sergei, I reply with pride. Except Papa wouldn't walk away from that. A light from out the porthole pulls me from memories. The rescue mission is nearing. It feels quick, but my sense of time has all but dissolved. Anatoly, the second capsule should be nearing your position. Can you see it? Please confirm, the woman's voice says. Confirmed. I saw a light out of the window, I reply, glancing out again. I can't see anything this time, but it's probably behind me. Good. Please prepare for extraction, she instructs me in a voice that grows more familiar with every word. Understood. Good. See you soon. There is a crackle over the radio, and it falls silent. I peer out the window again. There's a flash of light somewhere to the right of me, their thrusters firing. I clip my helmet into place and am hit with a wave of dizziness akin to standing up too fast as the oxygenated air fills my lungs. I would have put the helmet on sooner, but wisely as it turns out, I decided to conserve its air supply until needed. I sit back and wait for the next instruction, but it does not come. Has something gone wrong? Mission control, the other capsule has stopped. Status update? What's going on? There is radio silence. Just a gentle, fluctuating hiss. Mission control, this is Cosmonaut Orlov. Please advise. Silence. Am I alone again? How can this be? Peering out the ship's windows, I think I catch a glimpse of light somewhere behind me, but I cannot be sure. I take my helmet back off, as, until I have a better idea of the time frame of this rescue effort, I think it's best to conserve the suit's reserves. I sit back in my chair and wait for something, anything, to happen. When I wake... God knows how long later, the air is unpleasantly thin again. Outside is just black, and the radiostatic fills the air. Mission control, I attempt to hail them groggily. What is going on? Why has the extraction stopped? Please respond! I slump back into my chair, almost defeated. Cosmonaut Orlov, the woman's voice comes through in crystal clarity. Anatoly, how do you not recognize my voice? I sit bolt upright. I do recognize that voice, but I shouldn't. My Nina should not be at mission control. I can hear Sergei giggling in the background too. What is this trickery? I don't understand. How can this be? I ask her. It cannot, she replies sadly, without the signal delay such a distance would merit. My heart plummets deep in my chest. She is not real, 
The rescue mission is not real. I am alone, and I will die alone. Please don't leave me, I beg. I am always with you, dear, she replies. I hear her moving around whatever imaginary room she is in before returning. Papa? Sergei says. Yes, Sergei, I reply, with tears pooling around the ducks again. I'm stuck in space, like that cartoon you like. I can't come back, but I'll be fine. Just like in the cartoon. I know there is no hope now. Even my sanity has left me. I love you both so dearly, I tell the imaginary effigies of my family before reaching to the capsule's door emergency release. It's stiff, but with enough strength, it clanks loose. Goodbye, my love and my son. Pushing the hatch open, I am flung out into the vacuum of space. It's colder than I could ever have imagined. I begin to feel my eyeballs freeze, so screw them shut. The cold travels down my throat and into my lungs. They scream out for oxygen, but there is none. The pain is unreal, but the cold is beginning to numb my senses. I'm unable to move and just drift weightless until my thoughts my mind grinds to a halt farewell my dear family I will see you in the next life Hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Vostok Adrift was written by Matt Butcher, narrated by Ian McEwen, edited by Carl Hughes, with music by Fingers in the Noise and Tom Robson. So we've been nominated for the Best Fiction Podcast over at thisishorror.co.uk and we need your help to win it. We need you to go to www.hawkandcleaver.com forward slash vote and follow the instructions there. And guess what? Here's a little extra incentive. If we win, one or more of us will be performing the fabled cinnamon challenge. That is one big mouthful of cinnamon and one swallowed. Uh, it sounds easy, but if you look on YouTube, you'll see just how difficult it really is. So if you'd like to see that, and would like to help your friendly neighbourhood horror podcast, go to www.hawkandcleaver.com forward slash vote. Until next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.